0: little ragamuffins. I'm John Miller, and you're listening to Everybody Trades. And Thank you for joining me once again. hope all of you are feeling as chipper as I am this afternoon. I gotta be honest, I've never felt more in tune with the Lake Lizards down at the Ozarks. Yes, you all are my people. I love you so much. But in all seriousness, though, I gotta say, this whole COVID period has really made me realize how much we take for granted as human beings. And specifically, this period is really showing how much we take free trade for granted. And specifically, our ability to buy just about anything we want at any time here in America. And you know what? I gotta be honest, I'm guilty of this too. This past weekend, I was mildly annoyed when everybody was out and about this Memorial Day weekend that, God forbid, I actually had to wait outside Target for five minutes before getting inside. Now, to be fair to me, mostly I was maybe slightly irritated because I think a lot of this stuff is unnecessary. But you know what? I'm also spoiled too, let's be honest. But just for gratitude's sake, once again, I want to say let's do a quick thought experiment. Let's really think about this. I want you to possibly even close your eyes and imagine this scenario that I'm about to paint. Think about if free trade literally did not exist. Specifically, I want you to imagine your Costco, your Sam's, your grocery store specifically. You pop in for 30 minutes when you go to these places and you emerge with, say, $100 worth of food. For instance, you might have bought some steaks, some milk, eggs, bread, let's say a variety of fruits and vegetables, bananas, oranges, maybe a couple frozen pizzas. Let's throw them in there too. And let's say you're a type of person, maybe you make $20 an hour just to pick a nice even number. So obviously 20 divided by 100, well, that'd be five hours, wouldn't it? So essentially, it took you five hours of work to acquire that pretty wide variety of food. Now again, without trade, without the ability to buy this from another human being, how long would it have taken you to get all of that food? and in fact, let's forget about all the food obviously if you just buying tropical fruit alone if you're in missouri well that's going to be that's going to be basically impossible right there so but let's just actually focus on seemingly maybe the simplest item of them all, and that's a frozen pizza well actually in fact. There's a great book that just came out by, by a lady named Julie Borowski, a young lady named Julie Borowski that I happen to buy. I'm going to read it to my daughter, Ava, someday when she's old enough to read and understand the notions. I'd say if, you're, if you've got a kid who's a strong reader, maybe eight, nine years old, that's plenty old enough to give it to him. And the book is called Nobody Knows How to Make a Pizza. And I love that title because it's obviously provocative. Because you'd think, well, what do you mean nobody knows how to make a pizza? There's 20 pizza joints in my hometown alone, you're probably saying. And I just threw a frozen pizza into my oven last night. It turned out just fine, by golly. Well, that's true. But again, how would you possibly make that pizza if you didn't have any help from another human being? Well, if it was a supreme pizza, first of all, if it has pepperoni on it or sausage, any type of meat... Well, guess what? You're going to have to start raising hogs, buddy. And that is a tough, that's a tough road to hoe already. Now we're talking, what about the grains, the crust of the pizza? Yeah, that's not going to be so easy to just make bread from scratch either, especially when you've got to grow your own wheat, all that kind of stuff. Then now the, vegetable, the other vegetables, maybe, maybe you like pineapple on your pizza. Where in the world are you going to get pineapple in the middle of Missouri? You can see all the problems that this has that, that arise just from creating a seemingly simple food item like a frozen supreme pizza. And yet, somehow free trade has made this so efficient and so productive that you can get said frozen pizza for about, I don't know, 8 $9, something like that, a high-end DiGiorno. You can probably get less for ten for less than $10. So that means, again, if you're making $20 an hour It would take you a half an hour or less to work up to earn that pizza. Now, that's trade in a nutshell, whereas basically you could spend your entire life trying to recreate that pizza all all by your literal self, and it probably wouldn't work. Let's be honest. You wouldn't have enough time. It would never work. Your supply chains would mess up. You'd never have the right pineapples at the right time if you want to recreate a Hawaiian pizza. Maybe your hogs would get a disease. There's so many things that can go wrong here, but fortunately, you don't have to be an expert hog farmer. You don't have to grow your own pineapples because there are people out there who will do it for you. They specialize in it, and they have a comparative advantage, an obvious advantage to you doing so. It's better for both sides that you don't pick pineapples and you do whatever it is that you're good at. Like, for instance... My wife is a registered nurse. It's a lot better for her to be helping people in the operating room than it is for her to be growing her own food all the live long day. We leave the food production to the professionals. At least that's what we do in our house. And obviously the last 100, 200 some odd years where the last industrial revolutions have taken place, the two major industrial revolutions took place, And no coincidence, after America was founded in the late 1700s, that's not a coincidence. Freedom is why people's lives have gotten exponentially better in this last 200-year period versus the thousands of years before that. Basically, everything was the same until people figured out liberty and free trade. That's what's raised our living standards up to almost an unimaginable level if you were born, say, 50 to 100 years ago. But you know what interests me also? It's not just the idea that, well, obviously we should just farm everything out in order to be happy. Why should you mow your own lawn? Why should you do this? Why should you do that? You shouldn't have to do anything other than your main job, right? Well, there is sort of a a mental muscle that is being lost I think, to be perfectly fair. Now, this isn't an argument against free trade by any stretch of the imagination. This is certainly not a pro-political aggression argument. No, you'll never find me making that. This is just an observation about the human condition and what people are really like. Now, obviously, our modern world has made it so, again, back at the beginning of this country's founding, you know, 90 to 95 percent of the men specifically, were in farming. The workforce was agrarian. Almost everybody was growing their own food or growing some type of food and then trading with others who also grew food. But now, of course, it's the exact opposite. In today's world, 95% of Americans do not grow any type of food or, or harvest any type of livestock, anything like that whatsoever. So what happens is we all know that, that jobs like farming and various other physical endeavors, well, now that most of us don't have to really do that, and a lot of us work in jobs that are in offices, air-conditioned offices, maybe you sit behind a microphone and talk all day, well, that doesn't quite require nearly as much physical exertion as people had to have back in the day when you were hunting and gathering or even farming. So we we do tend to recognize that, hey, in order to replace that, we need to get some exercise. We need to go to the gym, we need to play some tennis, we need to go running, walking, go swimming, something. There's got to be some kind of physical activity to replace what we've sort of lost in our more agrarian, maybe some, what some could call natural existence. although I think our current existence is perfectly natural too, because this is what human beings do. We improve our lives constantly. That's just kind of our nature. But again, you do have to be careful because I think there's a mental part of this that is maybe being lost a little bit. And it's funny. I think I've got a good soundbite here from Parks and Recreation. Of course, Ron Swanson is the classic libertarian caricature on that show. Really funny character. You got to love Ron Swanson. Played very amusingly by Mr. Nick Offerman. And in this bite here, you know, he he really takes the idea of the not just he's not just a libertarian, let's put it that way. Ron Swanson is also very much the rugged individual. And to that extent, he's not the biggest believer in trade, ironically enough, even though he's a libertarian, well as we'll hear in this bite, because Ben and Leslie, two of the characters from the show, are about to get married and they can't find rings that they like. Well, Ron Swanson, as you might imagine, has a rather unique solution. It's not rocket science. I removed the sconce, fired up my grandfather's torch, heated up the pieces in a cast iron bucket, liquefied the metal, poured into a mold, obviously keep it over a low flame to achieve a nice temper, cooled it in antifreeze, and just forged and shaped the rings. Any moron with a crucible and acetylene torch and a cast iron waffle maker could have done the same. The whole thing only took me about 20 minutes. People who buy things are suckers. Now, obviously, people who buy things are not suckers. That's very silly. And the idea that that was simple, well, maybe for Ron Swanson, that was a simple process. But again, for 99.9% of humanity, that sounds like an absurd process. Again, Actually trying to make a supreme pizza by yourself would be a similarly, if not even more absurd, process than what Ron just described there. But again, I'm now going to make the opposite argument to what I may have made already, and that is that, well, the more we trade, the easier our lives get, and by golly, that raises our standard of living. But everything about the human existence is not totally about standard of living, is it? And here's what I'm getting at. You see, in the show, Ron Swanson is an excellent carver of wood. And Nick Offerman, the actor who plays Ron, he's exactly like that in real life. Now, Nick is not much of a libertarian, I gather. I I think he's more, probably leans more Democrat, I would say, just from what I can gather. But Nick is very much also, like Ron, into real life woodworking. And he makes these fine canoes and furniture. Really, really fancy, impressive stuff. But, of course, he spends a lot of time doing this stuff. So you might argue, well, gee, is it really worth it for him to spend weeks on this fine piece of furniture when he could have spent, I don't know, 30 minutes going to Ikea? Well, apparently to Ron, to Nick Offerman, I should say, apparently it is worth it. It's worth it to him and his subjective values. But what I would also point out is – not only – what Ron, what Nick Offerman is doing in this process, yeah, there's a physical part of that. We recognize that, yeah, when he's building those canoes, those furniture, I'm sure it's good for his forearms. I'm sure his hands get stronger, all that good stuff. So maybe that's a replacement for going to the gym. But to me, what interests me about it is the mental side of it. You see, when you don't do anything for yourself, even a simple thing like we don't have to really – Memorize our phone numbers anymore. They're all plugged in to our phones. I don't know most of my best friend's phone numbers anymore, but I certainly did growing up. And I certainly remember most of those home phone numbers, even though they aren't valid anymore. Now, that's great. That's convenient that we don't have to memorize every phone number in the world. But at the same time, there's got to be something lost there just with our memory. Just a certain muscle, a mental muscle is not being exercised. And I think especially when you build stuff, when you build things with your hands, there's a certain mental process, a certain logic, a certain, again, just a muscle that is being exercised that I think needs to be exercised and, in fact, is good for you and has positive impacts on your life that are far beyond, oh, now I can make furniture or a canoe. It goes much further than that. It'll crystallize your thinking in your job, your life, your family, all kinds of stuff. I really believe that. And finally, just one more thought on the economy, Keynesianism, money printing, production, the whole thing, isn't it interesting how, in the last couple months or so, we recently got our check at our house, our stimulus check, well, we've sent $1,200, and by we, I mean the United States Treasury, has sent out $1,200 to nearly every person in America over the last couple months. We've essentially printed trillions of dollars out of thin air and sent them to Americans. And yet, when I go to Sam's or Target, whatever, I still see signs where they say there are shortages of Clorox, Clorox wipes and other products at stores. Well, how can this be if, if, again, if Keynesian economic theory is true? If it's true that, well, a healthy economy is just people constantly exchanging money. That's all, that's all a real economy is to a Keynesian. It's just got to be people not hoarding their wealth. We can't have too much savings. We've just got to have constant exchange. Well, again... If that's true, then how is it that with all this new money, all this trillions of dollars supposedly circulating throughout the economy, how is it that we still have shortages? Well, the answer is, is because Keynesian economic theory is wrong, quite simply. And that's because an economy is not about spending. It's not about money, paper currency, simply, again, just exchanging hands over and over again. No, it's about actual, real production. And what can I actually trade for this currency, for this paper money? What can my real wages actually buy me? Again, think about how much you can buy at the grocery store based on your hourly wage. You don't even have to get a raise, a dollar, an actual on-paper dollar wage raise if your wages can buy more food. If suddenly the price of a T-bone steak is half the price of what it usually is, well, you've gotten richer, my friend, without even having to improve your own production. That's just other people's production improving and them improving their lives for you, quite invisibly. Again, actual, real economic production is and what will continue to lead mankind out of poverty and into abundance. That, along with free trade, continued efficiency... The lowering of prices, the lowering of prices of various goods, all types of goods, food, water, technology, everything, the price of everything goes down because abundance creeps in. And yet, there are still people who make good livings off of all this abundance anyway. This is what makes our lives what they are, to the extent that they're great, to the extent that they're much better than they were 200 years ago. Honestly, History teaches no clear lesson that free economic activity is what's improved our lives tremendously. And yet, so many just continue to fight it. Why is that? Well, I'm afraid that's a mystery we'll have to unravel another day. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Everybody Trades.